Today on CityCast Boise, I'm chatting with the Idaho Statesman's Mia Maldonado and our audio producer Evelyn Avitia about this week's news. We get into the chaos at the Caldwell School Board meeting, Mia's story about Idaho inmates training rescue dogs, and why Moscow recently said F you to Nancy Grace. It's Friday, January 13th, 2023. I'm Emma Arnold, and this is CityCast Boise. Hi, Mia. Hi, Evelyn. Thanks for being here. Hey there. Hi. So let's start with the recent Caldwell School Board meeting that had to be ended pretty abruptly when first term Senator Chris Trakel wouldn't stop yelling at the board members. They were meeting to talk about gender identity and sexual orientation policies. Uh, Mia, you just had an article come out at the beginning of the month about this proposal. Can you talk us through the details? Yeah, so this is a proposed policy. It's something that isn't in place. Although that's not to say that the teachers in the Caldwell School District don't already abide by some of the ideas in the proposal, like, for instance, referring to a student's preferred pronouns, referring to a student's preferred name. You know, a lot of students go by different nicknames. And so overall, it's just offering school staff guidance on how to address a student's sexual orientation and gender identity. And this is a proposal that is modeled off the Idaho School Boards Association and the Caldwell School District is just looking to implement something like that in their district. Yeah. I mean, when I read through the proposal, I felt like we weren't seeing anything super groundbreaking or new. And, and you know, when we saw the school board, you know, hundreds of people showed up to that meeting. There was lots of shouting. And we've seen a lot of these intimidation tactics in recent years. And it goes you know, it really goes beyond just the crowd getting kind of rowdy, like Caldwell PD had to stand in front of the board members as they tried to recess. And at one point, somebody yelled at the board members like, you're cowards, you'll face the consequences. Evelyn, this is your hometown. And you grew up in this school district. What was it like to watch that meeting devolve into chaos like that? Yeah, I will say that I was actually surprised that they were even talking about this. I didn't expect them to actually have a conversation about that. But I am not surprised with the reaction. I I don't know. I You just see these people and they are just going off and yelling. And it's like, oh, I don't even know. It's just frustrating because the lack of education within these crazy white people, like not surprising <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that was the sense I got watching it is because like I saw and I had read that the several high school students who actually are in the Caldwell School District spoke in favor of the proposal and said that they appreciated that the school board was addressing this and they were shouted down by the crowd. Um, And I'm just wondering, do we have a sense for how many of those people are actually from Caldwell? I know they had to sort of like make a list and say only Caldwell people get to speak first. And there are a lot of people were angry that they weren't allowed to speak, you know, but is it your sense that a lot of those people there are from Caldwell? I don't I'm I don't know. I wasn't at the recent meeting. I do know the Idaho Liberty Dogs, they called on their social media, they called on their followers in that group to attend. So and we know the Idaho Liberty Dogs, they've been showing up to Meridian Library District Board meetings. So I wouldn't be surprised if they were outside of Caldwell showing up. Yeah. I definitely think that a good majority of those people 
who are outside, especially, we're not from Caldwell and we're just wanting to start chaos. And isn't that so crazy that you have these students who are speaking in favor of it and these are things that affect them. And then you have these like crazy parents who are like, blah, 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 blah. like, wouldn't you want to hear from the people that it actually is, you know, impacting? I don't know why they feel like they have the right to, you know, like catch up, catch up. You know, mm-hmm. things are, it's changing. Life is changing. I don't know. It does seem to be generational. I noticed, you know, I, I watched the video, the whole thing uh, of the meeting, and it did seem like the people who were there protesting, uh, primarily white, primarily over 50, I would say. And uh, the students who showed up were like, we don't have a problem with this. We actually really appreciate it. Thank you for addressing this. I also, I I wonder, you know, recently you brought up the Meridian Library meetings, and um, I'm kind of getting a sense like, that the people on these boards, you know, while they have faced a lot of harassment and abuse and stuff, um, if they're kind of getting really tired of this and maybe those uh, tactics worked better before. But I feel like I feel like they're starting to push back. Like people are tired of this. The people the people on the Caldwell School Board know that these are the Idaho Liberty Dogs showing up to cause chaos specifically. And they're just like, fine, we'll shut it down, but we're still going to have these conversations. So I'm almost wondering if these tactics are starting to backfire for the Idaho Liberty Dogs. Do you think there's some truth in that? I do see a lot of community support when it comes to these proposals. And, you know, I remember attending the last or the November Meridian Library District Board meeting. And again, Nick Grove, the director of the library district gave a statement on, you know, this is, we've had to call in police officers so many times. And despite all the harassment, we are going to stand by our word. And so I think, you know, despite all these loud voices, the leaders are going to stand by their word. And something I would like to point out is Nick Grove, he's a man of color um, and he's received death threats, harassment. And then we also see the chairwoman of the Caldwell School Board is Maricela Pesina, also a woman of color. And so I think um, not only is certain groups of people in Idaho feeling threatened by this policy, but I think there's more to it. I think there's more to possibly who they're targeting. And that might be speculation, but I do see that as a pattern that's worth noting. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I completely agree with that. Yeah, very well said. I think that's a really good thing to pay attention to. Well, uh, let's move on to Moscow. So classes resumed this week and some students are coming back for the first time since the murders that happened before Thanksgiving break. And, you know, there's a suspect in custody. The details of the affidavit are have been made public. And now we know his preliminary hearing will be in June, which feels like it's so far from now. And Evelyn, I know this is your alma mater and you still have a lot of friends up there. How are people feeling going back to class? I reached out to some of my friends to check in with them and see how they were feeling about being back in Moscow. And I think the general feeling on campus right now is excitement to be back in classes, to have a routine, and most importantly, uh, to heal together as a community. It's just a very special feeling. Like if you went to the University of Idaho, you know how close we are. And um, being around each other, I think, is one of the, the best ways for this community to, to grieve and heal together. 
Yeah, that's good to hear. I'm I'm glad to hear that people are feeling excited about going back to class, you know. And, you know, in the beginning of the investigation, the sense was that people were like really frustrated uh, because of the lack of information being shared with the community by Moscow PD. Has that changed now that it seems like they possibly had reasons for withholding facts about the case? Yeah, I think people are, I mean, at least I've seen a lot of comments and um, about how they understand the direction that the Moscow Police Department took and um, kind of putting all those puzzle pieces together as to why they couldn't jeopardize, you know, their lead or their suspect. Um, And so I think the approach that they took, I think it worked. I mean, I I get why everybody was super stressed out and wanted more and more information and were very quick to attack the Moscow Police Department. But they're such a small police department. I don't know. I don't know if they could have done anything differently. I don't know. I mean, I've, you know, I've seen people kind of go both ways saying like they did the right thing or that, you know, people really still feel like they could have given more information and and let people know Mm. they were pursuing something Uh, someone so that people didn't feel so terrified and unsafe and feel like they had to go home, you know, after Christmas Mm -hmm. break and stuff. So I don't know if either of you saw the photo circulating around Twitter this morning of Nancy Grace sitting at a desk outside of the house where the four students were uh, murdered for her coverage of the preliminary trial today. But when I saw it, I just like, I couldn't believe it was real. I felt, I mean, I felt like it's the kind of thing if you saw it in a movie, you would be like, that's a little heavy handed. Nobody's actually (laughs) doing something that crappy. Um, But I feel like that picture kind of perfectly sums up a lot of the national coverage about this story we've received. Um, Evelyn, what has the response to that this morning from the community been? That's so funny. It's literally a meme. No one is taking her seriously. (laughs) Nobody wants her there. Um, Students who live on King they put up a sign and painted F Nancy Grace and directed <laughs> it right to the cameras. And so, yeah, it, she it's just all about it's not even like credible information, too. Yeah. Is the crazy part. It's like you're not here to do any good to the community. Like you just want a story. Yeah. And I, I saw people, like you said, memeing it. Um, I saw somebody made her into like a Girl Scout selling cookies, some very <laughs> funny, some very funny things. And and having like, you know, a- after everything Moscow has been through to have a sense of humor about this and to, you know, to not just be filled with rage, but also to sort of recognize how ridiculous, you know, the national media has been. It shows a lot of like grace and humor, you know. Mm-hmm. And um President Green and um, Blaine Eccles, the dean of students, they've been sending out a lot of emails with resources available to the students. And my friend told me that one of them included how to react or how to respond to the media. And isn't that Mm. so crazy that like these students are going back to school to finish their classes, to be with their community and to have to worry about a reporter knocking on your door or someone chasing you down because they want to talk about being in Moscow while you're just trying to get to class, like, isn't that insane? Yeah, like, they've these kids have already been through so much and are processing, you know, something, you know, most of us in our adult life will never, ever, ever deal with. And and then on top of that, they have to figure out how to navigate Nancy Grace, of all people. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm wishing them an amazing semester, though. Like, yes. I hope yeah. the community has the opportunity to grow and heal together. Well said. Uh, We share that sentiment 
I do want I want to end this on a bit of a lighter note. Mia, you just had this amazing, sweet article come out about the Idaho State Correctional Center partnering with the Meridian Canine Rescue Program, and they place homeless or surrendered dogs who need behavior training uh, with inmates at the prison. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I would love to. So this is, you know, strangely, I think one of my favorite stories I've written, which is kind of unexpected, but it was just... Yeah, me and Sarah Miller, the visual journalist, we went to the prison and we spoke with two of the guys there. And it's really a program that helps not just the dogs, who a lot of them were suggested to be put down or were surrounded really early on because their previous owners didn't have time for them. But it also, you know, it gives those men in the prison an opportunity to be a part of something that gives back to the community. At least that's what they told me. And one of the inmates, Matthew Stevens, told me this is a program that give, it gives us a purpose. It gives us a purpose of being here in really uh, depressing circumstances, being in prison, having walked through the prison. Um, I understand it's not easy being separated from your family. And I think animals just have that that little magic that they give to humans and they can really have such a good impact on your life. And so it's good to see that they're a part of this program. Do the inmates get training to learn how to work with the dogs? Like, do they offer some training? Yeah. So the director of Meridian Canine Rescue, she offers weekly classes and she's been doing that since they've first started the program, which I believe was in late October, early November around. And so it's every Tuesday for one hour, she teaches them classes on, um, positive reinforcement, behavior modification, and just a lot of trainings for, dogs in particular. And so these men go to these trainings and then throughout the week, they implement what they've learned with the dogs, which is very valuable. I just adopted a dog myself and it's like, I kind of want to attend one of these trainings. Like, can I come back? So was the program put on pause because of COVID? Like they weren't doing it at all? And are they just starting to do this again? Yeah. So they the prison was working with the Idaho Humane Society for, I think, well over a decade. And then during COVID, they couldn't allow visitors to enter the prison. So for a good two years, uh, that program was paused, canceled. And then the warden, Randy Valley, wanted to restart this program. He told me that, you know, he couldn't walk into the prison without one of the guys asking, hey, when's that dog program going to restart? And so he <laughs> was the one that reached out to other shelters. So when are these dogs going to be available for adoption? Yeah, so Jessica Ewing, the director, she told me that since it's the first time Meridian Canine Rescue is working with a prison, that they're just kind of playing it by ear. They expect it to be up to three months, maybe less, maybe more. But she said it really just depends on the dogs and how they're doing with their training. I do want to make a plug for a prison dog here because my 19-year-old uh, dachshund mix was one of the prison-trained dogs when I got him 15 years ago. <laughs> and he uh, could sit and stay and roll over. And he used to come when you called him. He does not anymore. He doesn't have to. Uh, <laughs> he's a senior citizen now, so he can do whatever he wants. But such great, wonderful dogs. And they do such a good job training them. And Mia, this is, I heard you ended up getting a dog because you were so inspired after after this seeing this program. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've wanted an animal for a long time. I, I grew up being a cat person. I still am a cat person. Um, Boo. 
<laughs> Such a hater. Evelyn's I a hater. Cats. Yeah. That's why we love yes. her. <laughs> I love cats. It's just, but they do give me allergies. But um, yeah, definitely going to the prison and seeing this program and just, this is my the second dog story I've written about. Like I wrote a story about uh, school dogs in the Nampa school district. And I think it's just become a trend. And those two stories have inspired me so much that I even got a little dog. And <laughs> now I want to send her to the prison. I'm like, please go learn the tricks because <laughs> she has a long ways to go. But yeah. Well, it was a very, very sweet story. And nice to hear that, you know, the inmates, It's it's got to be so bleak and so hard to be out there. And I'm glad that they have something to make them feel better and to pass the time and, and to make them feel connected. So very, very great story. And uh, I appreciate you both coming on today and talking with me. It was a lot of fun. And Mia, please stay away from the cats. <laughs> I, I can't. <laughs> All right. Thank you both. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And here's some more news to know today. The Idaho Statesman is reporting that Boise City Councilmember Lisa Sanchez recently moved for the first time in a decade and landed outside the district she represents. Sanchez is the only renter on the council, and she told the Idaho Statesman in November that her lease in the North End wasn't being renewed. As council members are required to live in their districts, it's unclear how Sanchez and the council will move forward. That's all for today here on CityCast Boise. If you enjoy the show, why not tell a friend, leave us a review, and don't forget to subscribe to our Hey Boise newsletter. The show is produced by Frankie Barnhill and Evelyn Avitia. Blake Hunter writes our Hey Boise newsletter, and I'm Emma Arnold. Our music is by all the kimonos and local band Up Is The Down Is The. We'll be back Tuesday with more news from around the city. Bye. You leave from <laughs> volunteering with these cats and you're full of red patches. So <laughs> like that's you're sacrificing true. yourself. <laughs> I know. That's true. I, I I do volunteer at a cat shelter. Simply cats. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I do return with a lot of like a, I usually Covered come out hives. of that with a rash. Yeah. <laughs>